You're listening to Don't Waste Water. Everybody would like to get rid of fossil-based stuff. So our job is go and find it. You know, how do we give you the same performance? Because nobody wants to give away the good sludge quality, yep. right? You won't even improve it. So we can't say, okay, now you here you have a molecule, but it doesn't do anything. You must bring the same performance. And that's where this steps in, that uh, if we are able to be like this cook and take those monomers and produce exactly the same molecule, just that that carbon there in the polymer chain comes now from the organic source. Perfect. I think it's perfect. That's exactly where we need to go. <laughs> Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. Municipal business is very stable. It doesn't care if there is a COVID or not. We still need to use the restroom and we still need to drink the water, right? So that demand uh, is growing very moderately, as we all know, a couple of percentage if we are lucky. So, of course, what we have been doing and we are doing it all the time is trying to grow with the market, but also expanding to the new areas and finding these new applications if, if we can. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Tuya Poyolain and Iltunen as my guest. It's too simplified picture in my mind to say that chemical-free is always only good. Chemicals are really essential part of this uh, technical solutions. And uh, if you look today's uh, regulatory world and, and requirements, we couldn't meet our wastewater treatment standards, for example, without chemistry. Tuya is president water and industry segment at Chemira. Very often customers come with the new challenges. When the regulation change, for example, they might have a tighter requirements and then they wonder what kind of technological combination we should do to most cost efficiently and sustainably handle it. And then you need this, uh, like understanding what the network can do. Because quite seldom you can nowadays, in my mind, solve problems with only one type of technology, not only with chemistry or only with equipment or whatever that might be. You better think wide and, and try to put those pieces of puzzle together. Chemira markets safe and sustainable chemistries that are part of a good life, ensuring hygiene, safe water, food safety and more. You've maybe heard of alum, a double sulfate salt that we use in deodorants nowadays, but was already known to the Egyptians as early as 2000 years before Christus. And although they used it primarily for leather tanning or dyeing, they also used it for water purification. Indeed, in water treatment, alum acts as a coagulant. When added to water, it forms a gel-like substance that attracts and binds smaller particles together, making them easier to remove. The Egyptians would add alum to water, allowing it to react and form larger particles, which would then settle to the bottom. The clear water could then be decanted of the top, leaving the impurities behind and you've recognized it. This early use of alum was a rudimentary form of what we now call coagulation and flocculation. That practice, dating back thousands of years, has evolved into the complex chemical treatments we use today. The Egyptians laid the groundwork and we built skyscrapers on it. But let's be real, in the intricate 2023 world, the word chemicals alone can raise an eyebrow as there are certainly chemicals and chemicals. Indeed, while they make our water drinkable or support the treatment of our wastewater sludges, they also sometimes trigger growing concern about their environmental footprint. That's where it gets interesting to look up the value chain of the chemicals and polymers we use in our treatment infrastructure. You know how we've regularly discussed on this microphone how complex it can be to roll out circular economy approaches. Well, as Tuya will explain in a minute, 40% of Chemira's water treatment chemicals raw materials 
are actually upcycled from another industry's waste. Honestly, that's to me sustainability and circularity where I barely expected it. But it doesn't stop there. Indeed, Chimera is busy replacing the remaining 60% of its raw materials with bio-based monomers. It won't happen in a day, but it already started. And as Tuya will explain in greater details, Chimera is setting a clear roadmap with its goal to reach a $500 million turnover from these bio-based chemicals by 2030. In today's jam-packed conversation, we also discuss purpose-driven chemistry, the power of partnerships, Tuya's relentless focus on innovation, and how Chimera built into a tech-savvy, customer-centric, circular economy champion. Remember, if you like the typical Finnish frankness of my guest as much as I did, please take this episode and share it with a colleague, a friend, your boss, or your team. And if you're new here, welcome, take a seat, make sure to subscribe, and I'll meet you on the other side. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Hi, Tuya. Welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you. I'm really looking forward to that conversation because we'll see in the deep dive that your company, Chimera, is offering stuff I wasn't used to on that podcast so far. So oh. I have some, some specific questions about that. But I'll start with my good old tradition of the postcard. And you're based in Atlanta. What yes. can you tell me about Atlanta, which I would ignore by now? Atlanta is an interesting south city in US, and I have been there located six years. I'm a Finn from Finland. For me, it's a, it's a nice uh, cultural merge into American culture. So we work a lot with the Georgia Tech, which is very nice university. And we have a lot of projects in common and uh, trying to innovate something new. I'm a big fan of sports, and I think I was roughly the age where I could start really following sports when the Olympic yeah. Games were in Atlanta. So to me, those are my first memories of sport events. So that's what I had associated to Atlanta. You brought something new with this tech yes. element. So thanks a lot for that. What would be your elevator pitch to Chimera? We are a really global company. We are about 3.5 billion euro company. And uh, we work with the water treatment solutions for industries, municipalities, pulp and paper industry and also oil and gas. We really are looking for chemistry with purpose, what we say. We want to bring chemistry there where it can aid the industry to achieve its targets. And nowadays, these water in intensive industries, they are really looking for this kind of resource efficiency, whether it's a fiber in pulp and paper making or saving energy, like we think about municipal wastewater treatment. You wouldn't like to waste the energy. Or you might want to optimize your logistic costs when you are discharging your dewatered sludge. So all these things are for us chemistry with the purpose. We want to be part of the solution. You used to be dealing with water at Chimera, then you went out of your way and went into pulp and paper. What a strange idea. Oh, but that's still in Chimera. <laughs> it was Chimera's pulp and paper segment, so. And you're just back a couple of weeks ago into this water world. What's your role today at Chimera? I'm a president of the business segment Industry and Water. It's uh, about 1.5 billion euro out of that 3.5 billion of the whole company. Across your 15 years with Chimera, yes. right? You've been in different places, different countries, different applications. What are your top insights? What's built your path to today? When I started, 30 years ago, I was really uh, driven by these environmental topics already that time. I know nowadays it's very hot topic uh, and young people do love it. Uh, I loved it already that time. And, and that led me to this path of uh, being in uh, clean technology and working with the water. So all 
my career, I have been one way or the other involved with the, with the water treatment topics. And uh, I have always thought that most important thing is the purpose. We need to work on something which has a good purpose. And that has led my way. I have been equipment supplier in the water treatment. I have been chemical supplier in the water treatment, different angles, but always bringing something added value to the water, which in my mind uh, is very important for society. It has a purpose. So purpose driven for 30 years, is that a way to encompass? <laughs> yeah, purpose driven. Of course, purpose is the most important thing. Second important thing is the partnerships, whether it's in a team within the company, or within the industry, together with the customers, sometimes together with the other stakeholders. I have really learned the, the lesson that nobody can succeed alone, no company can succeed alone. We all need each other, so it's a network. And it's beautiful when it works. Purpose, partnership, what's the third P? Third one is the innovation. That's because <laughs> if nobody comes up e ever with the, anything new, we would be doing same old, same old. Having a customer involved, and customer is always having the challenge, whether it's a municipality or whether it's an industry, there's always some challenge they need to overcome. And that's why you need this network to understand what's the problem and then get your wise heads together with your network to figure out the solution. And I think that's the beauty of creating new stuff. So customers love us and we love our customers for this reason that there is this collaboration all the time. As you mentioned innovation, let me jump into that question. We're at the Blue Tech Forum, which has this tagline of innovation for impact. Yeah. What does that mean to you? It exactly means that we try to develop uh, chemically aided solutions uh, with the in innovative approach. There is here in Bluetech, for example, a presentation at some point of uh, time where our team is introducing with Veolia, the patented technology of uh, Vivimug, which means that uh, we are first precipitating phosphorus in the wastewater treatment into the sludge, and then with the magnetic way, recovering it, taking phosphorus away from there where it doesn't do anything good, like going to the natural waters, so rather using it somewhere where you can do it. So that's one example of innovation we try to come up with. We have also some other very nice innovative ideas and we are already working on those. Uh, sludge dewatering, for example, requires today a lot of polymers and poloacrylamides. They are coming from fossil sources, as we all know. Would be nice to replace part of that uh, carbon in that polymer chain with something biobased. So we are already today having a solution for polymer, which has monomers, which are coming from the organic sources. So excellent uh, development there and will be very interesting to see how, how market will take those. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. <laughs> we'll come back especially on the bio-based materials yes. because I'm really curious about that. But you know, when I'm preparing for these conversations, I'm trying to understand what a company does. Yeah. Of course, Kimira is well known, but usually it's very hard to fit that into one sentence. Yes. It's not the case for you. I found a seven word sentence and, uh -huh. and you'll tell me if that one is, okay. is true. Sustainable chemical solutions for water intensive industries. Yes. Seven words. And I think I encompassed almost everything you do. When I look at your website, mm -hmm. I found like five products. Mm -hmm. So you are a 1.5 billion company. I mean, the, yeah. the water company is 3.5, yeah. but yeah. 
1.5 in, in the water yeah, and segments. All of that over five products. How's that possible? <laughs> well, the world needs a lot of chemistry, that's for sure. Even if it's uh, like a five products, it's a five product categories. Of course, we have thousands of products okay. as such. So those are like a product categories, but it's more than just the product. It's solution. So we talk about applications and applications include optimized dosing points, optimized dosing conditions, using digital tools to find a better way to apply the chemistry. Yes, customers and the world industries, they do need chemistry to solve these problems. What is exactly what you're delivering? Because chemistry is one thing, but as you mentioned, you need to apply that, you need to understand what you're yep. doing. So where does it stop? Where does it end? It's a certain type of service industry or service offering. So it has molecules, so it has chemicals, it has brain power, because before you can apply it, you need to know how to do it. And then in the modern world, when you want to optimize something, you also need a very fancy IT tools. You need to have artificial intelligence, machine learning, even conventional control and monitoring tools. And when you combine it all, it's practically chemical solution, which you buy, which is almost a service. So it has all these components. You mentioned your partnership with Veolia. Would Veolia be a customer for you or would you offer together with them to an end user? I'm trying to place you in that food chain yeah, of the water industry. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes somebody is a customer, sometimes somebody is a competitor, okay. maybe not Veolia at the moment, and sometimes you're a partner finding a solution. And this uh, Vivimug uh, solution is, is a good example of partnership. It requires that magnet equipment uh, solution, which is Veolia's uh, stronghold equipment technology. And then it requires that precipitation so that the magnetic uh, technology has something to take out of the, the solution. And that's Chemira's uh, stronghold. So it's a perfect match in the sense that definitely not competing, but putting uh, two solutions together after each other using chemistry as an enabler to do something. So that is a typical way where we try to find uh, partnerships. Same way we work sometimes with the customers, that they bring something, we bring something, and then when you put it together, then you suddenly have a solution. So that means that a customer would come to you and say, across your five product lines and the thousands of declination, I know exactly what I want, or would they come and say, I have a problem with that specific step Yes, I, I think that's more typical. I mean, customers, unless it's an existing application where they know exactly what chemistry they need. So we do sell also a lot of only chemistry without anything special. Application is known. It has been maybe years and years there. Not everything is immediately innovative. I mean, it might be a normal mm -hmm. phosphorus removal, precipitation of the biological treatment, or it might be pretreatment uh, with coagulation. It's not always so, so special. So then it can be only chemistry. But then very often customers come with the new challenges. When the regulation change, for example, Mm -hmm. They might have a tighter requirements and then they wonder what kind of technological combination we should do to most cost efficiently and sustainably handle it. And then you need this, uh, like understanding what the network can do. Because quite seldom you can nowadays, in my mind, solve problems with only one type of technology. Not only with chemistry or only with equipment or 
whatever that might be. You better think wide and, and try to put those pieces of puzzle together. I have a layman question for you. So yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. When I hear chemicals, yes. the first word that comes to mind to me is not sustainable. Mm. And you're marrying the two, sustainable chemicals. What does that mean? It means that the world needs chemistry. We are all about chemistry. We eat. It's chemistry. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's also biology, but the world needs chemistry and, and not all chemicals are like a negative things. Like, uh, for example, our coagulants, the key component is metal and metal comes from the nature. In fact, 40% of the raw materials which Chemira uses to produce our chemical products are byproducts. For example, from steel industry who has taken iron, made steel, and then they have part of the steel which is in their waste stream or byproduct stream. We take it, we use the metal from there and recycle it and use it for cleaning, for example, drinking water so it's or a wastewater. Recovery it's from a, a different resource industry. recovery. And that's already 40% of all our raw materials are coming from recovering other places. And uh, now, as I mentioned in the beginning, that polymers, flocculants, we also there try to find, for example, these bio-based raw materials, which could then replace in these very conventional polymers, which everybody needs and which are absolutely needed in the world. For example, in sludge dewatering, there is no other substitution at the moment. Let me come back to this yeah. 40% which you, you source in this resource recovery. Yeah. How does that work? Does that mean you operate kind of a resource recovery plant at the outlets of a steel yes. plant? In fact, our manufacturing plants are very often, you could call those almost uh, like a recovery plants because we take the waste stream or the byproduct stream from the steel mill and we take it to our manufacturing site and we have a process where we then take the iron out of that stream. That's one good example. And we okay. have done that for years and years. It's very good for everybody because otherwise it would be a waste stream. Now it's a useful resource which is recycled. So it's a perfect example of a, a circular economy even. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So when you see companies nowadays in the water sector, and there are several who come to mind, I won't give names, it's not yeah. about naming, sure. but who are really promoting how they are chemical free. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah, maybe you missed the point. <laughs> I could say, well, it's good if it's equipment free or, you know, it's too simplified picture in my mind to say that chemical free is always only good. Chemicals are really essential part of this uh, technical solutions. And uh, if you look today's uh, regulatory world and, and requirements, we couldn't meet our wastewater treatment standards, for example, without chemistries. And think about this example of uh, biogas generation. When you have, for example, anaerobic wastewater treatment, or anaerobic uh, sludge treatment. If you are having chemistry before that uh, digestion, you get more organic stuff into the biogas reactor. You are generating more biogas. Mm -hmm. If you didn't use coagulation, you get less organic stuff into your biogas reactor. So you can't say that chemistry is bad. Chemistry needs to be applied sustainably, optimally, you shouldn't overdose, you shouldn't overspend, but you should use it as a part of the solution to get the optimal outcome. So you need to, to zoom out and to look at the entire picture yes. to get exactly. a good understanding. And not only one Interesting. way. Yeah. You're a public company, yep. which has a perk, which is it's pretty easy to track your results yes. and to see your sales. And actually yes. you had an impressive growth 
over the past two years. Is it Chimera, which is growing in a pretty stagnant market? Or is the market itself growing? And is there always more needs for chemicals in water treatment? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, of course, now last two years, as you everybody knows, has been these very tough COVID years. And, and uh, the demand in industrial side first went down because consumers didn't consume all industrial products as, as much as they used to. And now the, the demand has recovered and industry tries again to come back. So part of this kind of volatility, which which we have seen also in the chemistry solution demand is coming because of these very strange times. But you recovered farm. But we have recovered. And, and the one thing which all industry has, has seen is that many raw materials got very, very expensive after the COVID when the demand picked up suddenly. Of course, every company in the world has tried to get the raw material cost increases into their prices. And so we had to do as well. But on top of that, it's good to remember that the municipal business is very stable. It doesn't care if there is a COVID or not. We still need to use the restroom and we still need to drink the water, right? So that demand uh, is growing very moderately, as we all know, a couple of percentage if we are lucky. And it grows with the urbanization. It grows with the, with the people moving in the areas where, where, where they are consuming water and, and it's treated. And so that part uh, keeps on growing in that very moderate pace. So of course what we have been doing and we are doing it all the time is trying to grow with the market but also expanding to the new areas and finding these new applications if, if we can. Let me try to see if I understand that right. That means the first effect is you recovered from COVID but yes. still your sales in 2022 were much higher than that what, yeah. they, what they were before COVID. Yeah. You have this stable growth in municipal and also you increase a bit of your pricing. I guess that's not the full story because yeah, then we said, try to grow market share. We try to get to the new geographical areas. Like any company, we are having excellent salespeople who okay. are finding the way to introduce Chemira's uh, solutions to the industries. And one thing is that the, our customer satisfaction is very high. It was high already before COVID and all these um, emergencies which, uh, which people have experienced. Uh, for example, U.S. faces often hurricanes and uh, mm -hmm. transportation challenges and uh, damages, for example, in Texas, where a lot of chemical industry was located. They were frozen and, and a lot of supply was cut. Also in Europe, when electricity prices were skyrocketing, many companies decided to stop their operations. So end customers who need the products were scared that what happens to us if the chemical industry and all the other industries are kind of in trouble and not being able to supply. For some reason, we are a hundred years old company, a bit more than 100 years. We have been formed 1920. We have been always one of the most reliable and that's what the customers are recognizing. We got very high scores during these catastrophes and emergencies and customers say, you are so reliable. You do everything to deliver, no matter what's the difficulty. That's one of the reasons why I think we are successful also in growing because many industries, municipalities, they need their chemistry. Otherwise, they can't one day just say, oh, we didn't get the phosphorus removal chemistry. Sorry, people there by the lake where the water is coming. We can't treat it now. We must deliver. So we have really 
you know, made that our advantage and our kind of differentiation. We are really super reliable. I'm working for a 220 years old company, so I, I can understand <laughs> You can <the> relate. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned geographies. So yeah. are you a worldwide company or what are you, you growing geographies today? We are already worldwide. We are, of course, largest uh, in, in Europe. So there we are number one in organic coagulants. Also, we are large in polymers in North America, we are also very large in, in coagulants and polymers. We have a lot of manufacturing sites here. In China, we are relatively small. We do have some business there, but that's kind of our one of those areas where we look to expand one way or the other. So that's part of maybe my role as well. Now new in the role to see that, okay, which way are we going to get Asia? maybe more. What's your typical go-to-market route? Do you go directly to the end user or do you go through integrators, distributors? Mm, we are maybe more direct, especially in municipal side, but we also have very wide distributor base, especially on the industrial side. You mentioned how one portion of your growth is the new applications. Yes. So what are typical new applications where a 100 years old company can still find new green fields? For example, this Vivimac, which I mentioned, uh, recovering phosphorus, for example, would be a new application. Also, we are presently looking for solution PFAS and, and also micropollutants my, my in the in the wastewater. So there we are working on, on a solution and hopefully being able to commercialize it. We are already running trials and, and that, that's very, very exciting. There is always, especially regulatory driven needs will, which will force us like everybody else, to, to work together with the partners and, and find the best solutions. Those are good examples. I was trying to brainstorm a bit what could be one of these new applications yeah. for you. And we just saw a, a pitch from Greg Newblom from Membrian. Yes. Greg was a guest on that podcast maybe three months ago. Uh -huh. And he's bringing a new application to market, which is ceramic membrane yeah. uh, with ion exchange. He is replacing or is diminishing the need for trucking water away and burning mm. water. If you truck water and you burn it, you don't need chemicals. You yeah. just burn yeah. it. It's stupid burning water, yeah. but still, yeah, it is, there's yeah. no other choice. If now you have a membrane process to replace that, I guess that membrane needs backwashing, it's specific chemicals to, to treat that. Is this a kind of application you're looking into? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, the ceramic membrane is not my strongest knowledge area. I know it has always been very costly compared to the other membrane materials. So looking forward to seeing some financials also at some point of time. But if you think about the more conventional membrane processes, we all know how easily little holes get uh, plugged and fold, right? So most important thing for mem any membrane treatment is the pretreatment. Mm -hmm. Chemistry is usually used uh, in any membrane technology pretreatment to take the biggest part of the potential falling elements away and a lot of organics away. Definitely chemistry is part of a sustainable membrane treatment because if you fold it, you use more energy or you reduce the life cycle of, of the, the membrane because then you need to replace it quicker. So pretreatment and then keeping the membrane clean, but it's better not just to clean the dirty thing, take the dirt out before it ends up there. You mentioned how you would be going into these solutions and how 
you act as a, as a service provider. Yeah. If you have chemicals, I guess you need to dose those chemicals. Yes. You need to measure those chemicals. Yes. Is it areas where you're looking into? Yeah, absolutely. And that's good that you raise it because I, I'm really enthusiastic about these digital solutions. I really see how everywhere, and this really was uh, boosted my thinking when I was in pulp and paper side, where paper machine operators who want to take the water out of the paper fiber are really keen on using the big data and understanding, you know, how we can increase the runability of paper machine by controlling, for example, raw water quality. And uh, we have a digital solution for the predictive raw water quality where we are forecasting what the quality of the water will be like in a couple of hours, what's the optimal chemical dosage to get the impurities away, what is the flow, is it very diluted or is it very concentrated, what you want to remove from there. We have a such a already operating commercial solution where customer is very happy and uh, saves a lot of downtime of a very expensive paper machine because the water quality is controlled. So you can just imagine same application for drinking water treatment. This digital solutions, which is much more than it used to be just control and monitoring is now taking all these fancy new tools of predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and we suddenly have such a data which tells us what to do and how to optimize it. And it's optimizing energy, fibers, chemical dosage, it's optimizing everything, whatever. I think sky is the limit. We just need to learn to use it and make kind of a understandable solutions out of it. So that's what we are looking into. Is that what you market under ChemConnect? Yes. Yeah, we call that digital platform ChemConnect. And we are adding their components. Of course, ChemConnect can be anything from simple level measurement of a tank, which is practically only monitoring, or traditional control and monitoring. But then it has now these new applications, which are predictive digital solutions, which are predicting what's going to happen and optimizing it. And I'm so happy here to listen that there are so many startups considering that domain. So that's the area where we are really looking for partners and and kind of we want to work together because this this is going to be a big thing in coming 10 years, already in five years, already in this year. (laughs) So I think that's a big hot topic. Don't think I'm obsessed over it, but I'm trying to to really wrap my head around that. You're transforming into a service company. You're delivering something which is, at the end of the day, just a bulk product, which you replace now by a level of service. So why don't you just become kind of a service company which sells the results and not just the chemicals. Yeah, I, I mean, it's up to how you put it, right? It's, it's how you express it. But the thing is, whatever you are, whatever you define yourself, it still has the same elements. It has the chemistry. It has the brain power to know what to do. It has that digital system. And then there is a predictive analytics, which tells you what to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can call yourself a service. We call it digital service and digitally enhanced uh, chemistry solutions. So... I don't think anybody anymore wants to be just a service company with a lot of manpower standing and waiting that something happens. That's too simplistic and maybe too conventional way of thinking of service. So I think we think service needs to be modern digital service, which helps to optimize everything with the chemistry. I'm now coming back to this bio-based polymer. You explain how 40% of your raw materials comes from recycled stuff. Yeah. So I guess in this other 60%, there's still some margin. Yeah, like a virgin 
virgin materials. Yeah, 60% is, is virgin. And we are all the time looking for different byproducts. But then also, because uh, we are having this inorganic chemistry side, and then we are having this um, polyacrylamide uh, um, polymers, as, as we call it. There we are looking for bio-based raw materials that we could replace fossil-based. Because nowadays polyacrylamides are coming from fossil, from the crude oil originally. And if you think the world's, um, every wastewater treatment plant who has a sludge dewatering, they practically, 90% has a polymer needed so mm -hmm. that you can optimize the sludge dewatering and, and reduce the volume so that you can transport it somewhere with the as low cost of fuel as, as possible. So that would be great if we could replace major part or who knows, all the carbon in that uh, polymer molecule with the organic. So where do you get it from? What's a typical example of that replacement? Um, we are looking for different sources. That's an area where there's a lot of innovation in the world going on. Our knowledge is mainly the polymers. We are producing polymers, not the components of monomers. So we are getting different monomers here and there. And that's where we put our innovation and the partners together to figure out, we call it biomass balanced polymer. So we okay. take bits and pieces, almost like a pieces of puzzle from bio-based monomers and make them this polymer chain. Let me check if I understand that yeah. right. You're like a cook who used to cook with certain ingredients yes. and you still want to produce the same cake or a similar cake, which yeah. has the same effect, but you're changing the ingredients from yes. fossil-based to, to bio-based. Yes. And now you need to find the right recipe to rebuild the same cake. Exactly, exactly, okay. exactly. Fascinating. That's very fascinating and I'm really excited about it. We already have uh, several customers who are very keen on it because, of course, they would also like to reduce the fossil-based raw materials which they are getting to their processes. That was part of your materiality metrics, I had to take yes. that in the note, which is yes. part of your annual report where you have this bio-based materials on the one end, and you have also this element of supporting your customers to become more sustainable. Yes. So I guess that's exactly the, that comes together. Yes, that's where it comes okay. together. Because all the needs come from the customers. I mean, whether it's an industry or whether it's municipality, everybody would like to get rid of fossil-based stuff. So our job is go and find it. You know, how do we give you the same performance? Because nobody wants to give away the good sludge quality, yep. right? You won't even improve it. So we can't say, okay, now you here you have a molecule but it doesn't do anything you must bring the same performance and that's where this steps in that uh, if we are able to be like this cook and take those monomers and produce exactly the same molecule just that that carbon there in the polymer chain comes now from the organic source that's perfect i think it's perfect that's exactly where we need to go <laughs> and this kind of r d efforts does it all happen within Chimera or do you also have partnerships with We have partnerships yes definitely we have partnerships and we put also a lot of our own investment like you saw there in the growth accelerator which we have launched this year so we are heading for 500 million revenue coming from bio-based products in 2030 and 2030 is seven years it's there. One third of your turnover or what will be your growth by 2030? Uh, well it's the whole, for the whole company if we are 3.5 billion 500 should come from the okay. fully bio-based. So of course, we already have now 
some bio-based and, and in fact we do have, for example, paper side, we have products which are bio-based, but we want to increase. We want to at least double it. We are quite ambitious with that and the growth accelerator is, is a key execution vehicle for us there. You mentioned how you didn't invent that, you, you, you stole it from your customers. Your customers were asking for it and you delivered on their ask. Yeah. Which kind of customers came to you and asked for that? It's the mega trend of the world, if you think. It originally comes from consumers like you and me. I or, agree with the fact that it's yeah. a mega trend. The thing is that there's whatever people talk about and there's what they do. And sometimes there's a dichotomy between yeah. the two. And it sounds to me like here it's about walking the talk and say, it's not just about reducing fossil fuels. It's really about doing it. And what can we do? If we yeah. can turn our polymers into bio-based, then let's do yeah. it. It's a bit different than just saying, oh, I want to make good for the environment. I mean, that's a very concrete step. It's very concrete step. And maybe it helps that nowadays companies, if you think industrial players, they are setting their own sustainability targets much more precisely. They want to reduce their carbon footprint. They want to reduce their fossil-based raw material, share of the raw material. So it comes through the industrial players. And I think even municipalities are nowadays saying we need to take part of this into this decarbonization. Nobody is safe in that sense. So it comes everywhere. And when you have a solution to say that, dear customer, you say you want to reduce this. Look at this. This is reducing it. So they are, of course, everybody is interested. And then it, and in the end of the day, it comes to, of course, very much also to the regulation and, and how that develops and then also that we do get those solutions to work that's mm -hmm. also of course e extremely important but like this biomass balance polymer these are exactly same performance as the fossil base so the molecule doesn't know where the carbon came from and it's behaving like any carbon carbon is an atom it's there within the molecule and that's the beauty of, of that part i like to open the last section in this dip dive which is yeah. more about you Okay. You explained in the beginning how you somewhat returned to this water part of Kimura yeah. by taking on your new role. What is your key performance indicator? What is your North Star in this first weeks and first months into your new yeah. position? I'm very business driven person in the sense that my own targets in this role are exactly same as, as our business targets. And mm -hmm. as you can notice, I'm very passionate about uh, this water and getting things right and being part of the solution, having this purpose. I want us to win and I want customers to win. So I want our solutions be useful and adding value to the customer and then us also economically, technically, people-wise, environmental-wise, doing it sustainably. So win-win, that's my target. Is there something that surprised you in these first weeks? Well, yeah, I was three years almost away in pulp and paper, more in pulp and paper, and I didn't follow so closely. And now when I came here to the Blue Tech Forum, I was here, by the way, first time 2013, nine years ago. It was much smaller and much more humble. And now when I see this energy and collaboration, I'm really positively surprised. And I love to listen to those digital ideas, what there are, and recovery of nutrients from the water or sludge. Maybe I'm surprised about the excitement of the whole water industry. That has increased maybe during COVID years. So we used to be like this ugly... Kids, kind of traditional industry and now with the cool yeah. kids yeah exactly <laughs> we were not the hottest <laughs> topic in the world right if you look in the future what will tell you that you had a positive impact in i don't know five years for instance yeah it's this win-win we have happy customers who have new solutions they meet their targets 
and we make good business doing it and we have this very engaged, clever people who want to work on these water solutions, water chemistry solutions combined with digital and whatever we need to combine into it. That's when we have succeeded. Then I have succeeded as well. <laughs> well very clear. Thanks a lot for your openness in this deep dive. To round up these interviews, I have some rapid fire questions. Okay. So let me transition to that last section. It's time for the rapid fire questions. My first question is the following. What is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? It's mission impossible to say just one project. I have been working in China and Mexico, and Poland and Italy and US and everywhere. And um, everywhere is exciting projects, uh, everywhere. And uh, I think people do the, the thing. So most exciting thing is to see people succeeding when they use their full capacity, their, their brain power and they work together, then that's something. And that you can see everywhere in every project. Can you name one thing that you've learned the hard way? Yeah, maybe the value of the teamwork. At least when I was younger, I thought more that, okay, this company does this and we need to do this alone or I need to work alone on this, but uh, you learn it quite qu quite quickly that uh, nobody succeeds alone, no company succeeds alone. So, do you have an example? Do I don't have an example. You can't tell. <laughs> well, I, I don't remember exact example, but is there something you are doing today in your job that you will not be doing in ten years? I hope I'm retired in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> I had that conversation with uh, Andrew Benedict, and um, Andrew Benedict had this fascinating path, yeah. taking Zen and to the place yeah. where it, it got sold to, to, to GE and he went on retirement yes. for six months yes. and then he got bored and he came back. <laughs> so every time I see someone passionate about what they do tell me, oh, I won't be working, I just You don't believe mind. it, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, well, what I won't be doing after 10 years is I hope I will not be flying around the world so much anymore. That, that might be it. already good enough. And I get it. If you, by the way, you you offer me a good transition to explain that maybe if you see a difference in sounds compared to what we usually have, it's because I was flying to come here and my microphone didn't arrive. So I get how one might want yeah. to, to reduce the, the travels. Yeah, exactly. What is the trend to watch out for in the water sector? It's it's this digitalization. I mean, I'm hundred percent sure that that will change everything we do not only in water, but especially in the water. So we need to be on top of developing so many new applications to optimize everything. We can't afford anymore, you know, let's just get it good enough. Now everything needs to be perfect and optimized. So I think we are going to see really a transition to the digital water. That's what I think. If I instantly became your assistant. What's the number one task or mission that you give me? I would send you to end the Ukrainian war. <laughs> because that's a waste of uh, brain power, human power. It's not in our hands, I know. But when you ask it like that, that's what I would like somebody to do, you know? Number one. Ends. Number one, we need to end such a senseless killing. I'm not sure I have that power, but I... Yeah, but let's try <laughs> whatever ways we can. On the lighter note, would you have someone to recommend me that I should definitely invite on that microphone as soon as possible? Well, I think that uh, Veolia uh, contact, who has been working with us in this Vivimug, uh, recovering phosphorus, I think he would be a great target. And if you need his name, I'm able to find it, um, Damien. Kazalet. Maybe uh, he would be a good guy to talk to. I'm recording with Viola later today, so maybe... Oh, you are. Maybe he's there. Maybe. 
Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Perfect. Well, it's been a pleasure to have that very open conversation. If people want to follow up with you, where can they reach out the best? My name is so easy, Tuja Pohjolainen Hiltonen. You just look for it in Kemira and send me an email and let's get con uh, connect. So email is your primary? Email is, is okay. best, probably. Perfect. Yeah. So as always, that will be in the show notes. So if someone wants to follow yeah. up with you, they, Absolutely. they, they will have That's fine. the link. Thanks a lot, Tuja. Thank you. I hope to talk to you soon. It was lovely meeting you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.